Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. 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 Would you guys stand with us as we sing a song together? Technical difficulties, hold on. There we go. Let's sing this out together. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Plentiful, the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. When found in the desert place, to walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Sing every blessing. Every blessing you pour out, I turn back.
Good morning and welcome to Cypress Bible Church. We've gathered here to bless the name of the Lord together and uh, glad that you have joined us in that uh, here in person or via live stream right now. And uh, this is a privilege that we have as the people of God to declare who He is and what He has done and will continue to do. Um, let me bring a, a few things to your attention. Uh, one is to uh, remind you of a couple of projects that we have that are, that are ongoing. Uh, and those are, one is to uh, purchase a vehicle for the Simpsons as they are headed to South Africa. And uh, there's information on that in uh, the, the commons. Uh, also, I think this is the last uh, opportunity to help fill the trailer that we have uh, uh, on that side of the campus outside here that goes to uh, uh, that's food items that uh, go to Cypress Assistance Ministries, ministering to those in our community who are in need, and we encourage you to help uh, be part of that project. Also, I want to alert you to the, the fact that uh, later in our service we'll have an opportunity for prayer and anointing. Uh, there are five stations around uh, our room here this morning. Uh, I will give you some instruction about that a little bit later, but to just prepare you to be thinking about the opportunity. We've, we've had some uh, challenging uh, months over this last 18 months or so, and uh, some of you have experienced loss in a number of ways, uh, challenge, brokenness, and uh, whatever's going on in your life now, we want to give you the opportunity to, have, to be prayed for uh, by uh, teams of elders and pastors who will be uh, prepared to uh, do that nearing the end of our service. This is something that we carried out periodically through, through the last number of years and then stopped during COVID, so we're uh, glad to offer that opportunity again to minister to you specifically. So be uh, prepared and uh, thinking about that and take that opportunity as the Lord leads. Well, let me pray as uh, we continue on in our service this morning. Lord God, we do bless your name because your scriptures, your creation, all declare your greatness, your majesty, and you are worthy of all praise. And you have expressed your great love to us with the infinite gift of your Son, Jesus. And so for every one of us who's put our trust in the one Savior, we have every reason for which to give you praise, whatever times we're going through right now. So Lord, free our spirits to do that today. Just to allow us to express to you your greatness and goodness and mercy and to cry out to you in our need and our hurt, our anxiety that we might be experiencing as well. Lord, thank you for the privilege of gathering together with your people. May we encourage each other. May we support each other. May we exhort each other as needed for your glory, for your honor. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, I pray. Amen. I want to direct your attention to the screens. We have a message from one of our missionaries. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. My name is Andrew Clements. Uh, together with my wife and two children, we are working with E3 Partners here in Northern Ireland and in the Republic of Ireland. Uh, we are praying and working towards a time when we can honestly say that on this island, the island of Ireland, there is no place left where we can't find healthy disciples and healthy churches. The story of Scripture begins and ends with the presence of God. From his presence in the creation and the Garden of Eden, 
in Genesis to the new heaven and new earth in Revelation. God has continually manifested his presence. He is omnipresent. God is everywhere. But perhaps a better way to consider it is by saying God is here. He is with us. His story demonstrates that his presence is manifest in relationships and in redemption. Listen to David's expression of praise about the presence of God in Psalm 31. While being persecuted by Saul and dwelling in the wilderness, this is what David says of the Lord. Psalm 31, 19 to 24. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. Praise the Lord, for he has shown me the wonders of his unfailing love. He kept me safe when my city was under attack. In panic, I cried out, I am cut off from the Lord. But you heard my cry for mercy and answered my call for help. Love the Lord, all you godly ones. For the Lord protects those who are loyal to him, but he harshly punishes the arrogant. So be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in him. For all who believe him and accept him, he gives the right to become the children of God and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Come to know that he is the Lord. Well, would you stand with us again? Let's sing about who he is.
I wonder if you can think of a time when you experience just one miserable thing after another. One very difficult thing after another. Or where you faced a problem that just didn't seem to have a good solution. A bad situation where there wasn't any escape that you could see. Or maybe something like that's happening in your life right now. You can identify with that kind of feeling, that kind of circumstance. And wonder, do you or have you felt fear in that situation? Anger, panic, desperation, maybe. Well, I'm going to take you to one of the most important events in history, certainly biblical history, and that's the parting of the Red Sea and the crossing of the Red Sea from Exodus chapter 14. It's a, an impossible situation. One that you are familiar with, that you know well. I want to review the backstory to just let's refresh our memories as to when this happens and why. We have God's people, Israel, being freed from slavery after 400 years, being oppressed by Egypt. And so slavery was all that any of those people had ever known. That was their life. It was the life of generation upon generation. And of course, freedom came when God brought deliverance as He visited plague after plague after plague upon the Egyptians. Finally, the Pharaoh of Egypt let them go. And now the people followed Moses, God's chosen deliverer, the leader of the nation. They followed him 
toward the land that God had promised. And with them, they carried bags full of clothing and silver and gold jewelry that the Egyptians had pressed on them, anxious to get them out of their land after all the trouble that was caused. So Israel, with all their bags packed, is enjoying freedom for the first time in their known lives. They're camped out on the edge of the desert, pointed in the direction God was leading them. There, God provided a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. That would be how they were guided and would light the way to the promised land. But just as this exciting new life was beginning, and and maybe you can just sense a little bit of what they must have felt like as a people, just as this was beginning, everything seemed to fall apart. And they are helplessly, hopelessly trapped. And maybe you felt that way. Maybe just a little bit at some point in life. Maybe even right now. And when you face a, a seemingly insurmountable problem, wouldn't it help if you could understand what God was doing? Wouldn't it help if you could figure out, if God would share with you what actually was happening, what was the, the purpose in all of this? Well, this story, familiar as it is, I think it has some very valuable things to teach us, to instruct us. And Of course, as the New Testament informs us, these things are written that for our understanding to, to guide us in our relationship with Jesus today. So we need to pay careful attention. And as we go through Exodus chapter 14 this morning, I, I want to point out three reasons for impossible situations. They're not the only reasons, but they might be reasons that you haven't thought of very much. And you and I need to be reminded of these things. Because how God worked for Israel might give insight as to how God might be working in your life today. These ancient lessons are important in our lives now. So Exodus chapter 14 begins this way. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Piharath, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. Notice the words, turn back. That's unexpected, to say the least. Change direction from the edge of the desert, headed toward the promised land, and turn back and camp by the sea doesn't make any practical sense at all. They've just gotten away from the Pharaoh, and now God sends them back in that direction to wait on the seashore. This is no time for a beach vacation, God. And yet that's what he's asking. They're hemmed in by water, facing the way they came. Why? Well, God's clear about that too. Verse 3, For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They're wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So God reveals that Pharaoh is going to view this situation as an opportunity. That these people are lost, and he's going to go after them. But God's purpose is clear. Glory. The Hebrew word is kavod, and it, it means honor. It, it, literally, it's a word for heavy. 
In other words, God wants to carry weight with, with Egypt. He wants His weight to be felt by Egypt, His heavy presence. And just as God said, Pharaoh realizes that he's lost all his slave labor, verses 5-7, to seven. he doesn't like that. Despite all the pain that he and his country has been, been through, he wants to change this. And so he summons his entire army, all his chariots, the Bible says, and all his officers, and including, among those, 600 special chariots. The special chariot were those that carried three men, one driver, one shield bearer, one fighter. And so these verses describe what happens, that the Egyptians pursued them and overtook them in camp by the sea. So this enormous force, you realize this is all the forces that Pharaoh can muster go after Israel, including his elite crew, overtake them, and there Israel stands on the beach with the sea in front of them. Pharaoh's army converging behind, an open desert on either side. There's no place to run at all. Now, now, before we talk about some significant lessons here, let, let me get this out of the way. And that is that if you're honest with yourself, your troubles can often be the result of your own sinful choices. Whatever troubles we're talking about, it's very possible that you're in that situation because of some sinful choices that you made or sinful things that happened in your life. Now, that's not true of all the trouble that we face, but I need to at least acknowledge that it is true sometimes. Because the, the, the most common categories of troubles that we deal with are financial, relational, power and control types of things. And certainly you can be in financial trouble and, and it's not connected at all with your own personal sin. But there are times that it could well be. And you might be heavily in debt and creditors hounding you, facing foreclosure. And if you're honest, it's because you have been financially irresponsible. Some sin involved. Or maybe your marriage is falling apart or you have no relationship with your kids. But if you're honest, your sin helped to create that mess. Your selfishness or your indifference or your anger or your dishonesty were part of the problem. Or maybe you made a move or a career change or a business decision and it's a disaster and you're wondering, you're wondering, how can things survive? It's so bad. But if you're honest, you realize that, that you might have been motivated by greed or pride or, or you made this change without seeking God and you did what you wanted to do now we all sin we all fall short of God's glory every one of us in all kinds of ways and we must declare the good news of the gospel that there is forgiveness for your sin whatever it is forgiveness for your failure whatever it might be you recognize it you confess it you repent and turn to God for mercy he will wash you clean from all and every unrighteousness through the blood of Jesus so you and I must live in continual confession as we deal with our sin, bring that to God. And anytime you face difficulty, anytime you're confronted with what seems to be an impossible situation, you do well to search your heart for sin. You do well. 
But certainly not all those situations are the result of sin. Not yours, anyway. And I, and I say all that because sin is not what put Israel in this situation. They're in this mess because God deliberately sent them there. Now, we need to deal with the implications of that. Now, had they stayed on course, had they continued where they were going, they would have been safely on the way toward the land of promise. But God turned them around and put them in a very difficult spot where they are trapped. Was this a tactical error? No. They were right where God told them to be. And when there is no escape, it might not be your wrong turn. It might be exactly where God wants you to be. So let me say that one reason for hopeless situations is that God puts you there on purpose. Consider that. On purpose. In one of the downturns in the economy that we've had through the years, I remember a bunch of uh, folks in the church I served were unemployed, and there were four guys in particular that I was close to who were who were unemployed for a lengthy period of time, began to have lunch together and talk together. And as I, I met with these guys, one of them, Steve, was, was particularly desperate. And, and he said, is God punishing me? When is this going to end? So my life can go to normal and, and I can be who God made me to be. Something along those lines. And I said to him, I, Steve, God did make us to work. He created us to be productive but God's purpose doesn't start when you get a job. God's purpose is happening right now in the midst of your unemployment. And you need to view life that way. 1 Peter 4.19 says, Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. So when you're suffering in your life, commit yourself to God and continue to do good. Continue to live realizing that God puts you there on purpose continuing chapter 14 when pharaoh drew near the people of israel lifted up their eyes and behold the egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly and the people of israel cried out to the lord they said to moses is it because there are no graves in egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness what have you done to us in bringing us out of egypt is not this what we said to you in egypt leave us alone that we may serve the egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now, you notice how the Israelites focus their complaints on their most visible target. They do cry out to God, but they attack Moses. And they're involved in some serious revisionist history here. You need to be appreciative of. Don't miss the sarcasm. Were there no graves in Egypt? Egypt specialized in graves. That was their thing. Almost three-fourths of the Egyptian landscape was dedicated to grave sites. And then during the centuries of slavery, Israel cried out to God, Have you forgotten us, God? Begging God to set them free. God does, and now they, they beg for slavery again. Complete memory loss. Things were better in the old days, however miserable they were. And that's not the last time Israel's going to have this kind of memory loss either. They're very much like me. Arthur Pink says that our memories are so short that no matter how many times the Lord has delivered us in the past, when some new trial comes upon us, we're swallowed up 
by the greatness of our present emergency. I can identify with that. Moses, he, he responds to these complaints in this ridiculous line of reasoning, and he says, don't be afraid. Stand firm. God's going to fight for you if you just stop complaining and keep quiet. That's verses 13 and 14. And that sounds like a great speech. I'm, you know, I read that, and I'm kind of proud of Moses. He's, it's very spiritual, um, very motivational. He's like, no wonder God chose him as the leader to take the people to the promised land. And then you see the next verse. Verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. God says, Stop calling out to me and tell them to get moving. Yes, the desert is hemming you in. Yes, and the army is bearing down on you, and the sea blocks your progress, but move forward. Now, if I'm Moses, I, I, I might say, I might be thinking, that's great, God, but you could include me in, in your plan a little bit more specifically. Because I'm kind of guessing here. Didn't know. Thought I gave a great speech there. When the famed pastor Charles Spurgeon preached on this verse, he said, far be it from me to ever disparage the holy exercise of prayer. But when we've prayed over a matter to a certain degree, it becomes sinful to wait any longer. We need to go without any longer deliberation or delay. So God had put them there in that spot, and, and He pointed them toward the promised land, and the only barrier now was, a, was the sea. And so God was going to move that impossible obstacle. Why? Well, to repeat again, verse 18, And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I've gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. So Israel's terrified, they're angry, but God's solution is not ultimately about their safety. Through something that panics his people, God will bring glory, kavoth, weight, heaviness, holiness, honor. Israel thought it was all about them, in the promised land, and God says it's for the fame of my name. That's why this is happening. It's so a pagan nation will know the power of the Lord. So here we go. Another reason for hopeless situations, this may not be about you. When you're confronted by difficulty, have you considered that the mess you're in may not be all about you? Your safety might not be the primary objective. Your comfort may not be what God's after. God may put you in a difficult situation because of what He wants to do with someone else. You may be struggling with your health. So someone can come and minister to you. You may have lost your job, so someone else can learn generosity. Your wrong turn might be for the salvation of someone you meet. It might rain on your parade so someone else can grow crops. So consider that your situation, no matter how difficult it may be, might not be about your misery, but about God's purpose. We get so me-centric. And it's crucial to remember that God is at work in things that go far beyond me. Does He care about me? Absolutely. But that's why we need the Lord's Prayer. We pray that entire prayer 
And it never once says I or me. It's directed to the Lord and talks about us and our. That God's purpose is bigger than me. So Israel's trapped between an overwhelming army and the Red Sea when God intervenes and he obscures Israel from Egypt with a cloud and the enemy can't see them in this darkness. That's verses 19 and 20. But that same cloud that was darkness for Egypt is light for Israel and the two sides are kept apart by this miraculous event. And then God used a strong wind to make a valley in the water. Bakwa means, means to split in two by means of a strong east wind that blew all night. Verse 22, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Now there's no natural explanation for this at all. There's no landslide that created a dam somewhere. There's no secret shallow place where God showed them how to walk. The water is piled up on both sides. The text is very specific. On both sides by wind. Wind doesn't work that way. It's a miracle. And the crossing must have been about a half a mile wide through that sea so that the hundreds of thousands of Israelites could cross before daybreak. And at dawn, the enemy sees what's happened, charges across the path, but the chariot wheels become clogged and jammed and bogged down in the sand, and they break off. And the rest of the, the, the Egyptians said, let's run because Jehovah fights for them. And then at God's direction to Moses, the waters return and cover the chariots and horsemen who'd followed Israel into the sea. That's verse 28. And every Israelite made it across without getting wet, and every Egyptian soldier who followed them drowned. And, and you need to appreciate there's some poetic justice here. Exodus opens up with what happening? The Egyptians throwing Israelite babies into the Nile River to drown. And now we have Yahweh throwing the Egyptian oppressors into the sea to drown. And there, God made a way where there seemed to be no way. That's the promise we have in 1 Corinthians 10.13. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. That's how God works. Chapter ends, verse 30, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So Israel witnessed the aftermath of that destruction of the army as the bodies of the soldiers and the charioteers washed up on the shore. And the ancient historian Josephus recorded that Israel looted the dead, took their weapons and their armor. And that's how some slaves got ready for battles that were ahead. The account ends with this fact that Israel and its awe of God intensified through this. Their trust in God's power increased. I'm going to point out that the, the Hebrew word for believed that you see here is oman. And it means it's about trust. It's about certainty. It's about affirmation. It's where we get our word amen. 
And, and contrary to popular opinion, amen does not mean the prayer's over. Amen does not mean let's eat now. A- amen is a word of agreement. It's saying, yes, what was just said is true and right, and I believe it. A final reason for hopeless situations, your job might be just to say amen. Out of all the other things and responses you can have, that might be all God is looking for you to do. That that might be the reason you're in there. Because don't forget, after you've cried for deliverance, God's looking for a witness. When you're trapped and there doesn't seem to be an escape, the very reason you may be in that spot is so that you can worship God, so that you can praise God, declare His greatness. Don't forget to say amen. In fact, the very entire next chapter of Exodus, chapter 15, is the song that the nation sang to praise God for the victory. You might be aware of this, uh, of what happened with David Smallbone, who's an Australian, and there in Australia where such a very small percentage of people, especially a few decades ago, claimed to be followers of Jesus. David tried to promote Christian concerts in Australia, and as a result, he lost $250,000, and his house was repossessed. As the father of six children, David was struggling, looking for work anywhere. And then suddenly, it seemed like a bright ray of hope happened. A, a, very, a top artist offered him a job in Nashville, Tennessee. And so the family sold everything that they had left and bought tickets and ended up in the United States. And when David got there, he was told that the job was no longer available. So what was a bad situation is now a horrible situation as as David, his wife, their six children, and his wife expecting number seven. As you can imagine, he was pretty depressed. When they finally explained to the kids what had happened, they all got on their knees and asked for God's help. And, And they saw God provide bags of groceries, a vehicle, odd jobs, And then came the biggest surprise, a recording contract for their oldest daughter, who was 14. At age 15, she made her first album, and she became one of the top Christian artists in the world as her father managed those concerts. In 2004, she was named as one of the top 50 young evangelical leaders, and her name is Rebecca St. James. And I wonder, what situations in your life seem and feel impossible? And you wonder, what is God doing? Have you considered that your situation might be God's intention? That that the real purpose might not be all about you? And are you ready to praise Him for what happens? Whatever that is. Now that being said, I don't want you to miss the most important truth here. Because that's not it. Uh, The primary point of, of this rescue through the sea is not to teach us what to do when we're in trouble. It's to teach us the only source of salvation. You see, 
The Red Sea experience that matters most is the one Jesus had when He passed through the walls of death to victory. And so if you've trusted in Jesus alone as the atoning sacrifice for your sin, you've already had that Red Sea experience. You've already had the Exodus experience. Through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, you've walked through the middle of sin and death, and you're safe on the other side because of Him, through Him, in Him. And no power of hell nor scheme of man can ever pluck you from His hand. And so no matter what else happens to you in this life, trust your Redeemer. That, that, that's the message of this text. Trust your Redeemer. There's only one. And His name is Jesus. And sadly, if your trust is not in Christ alone, you're still standing on the shores of the Red Sea and impending doom is bearing down on you. And there is no escape other than turning to the Savior who is Christ the Lord. As Jesus says in John 5.23, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes has crossed over from death to life. To hear it? There's the crossing of the Red Sea. Jesus. Whoever hears my word and believes has crossed over from death to life. There's your Savior. There's the way out of any and every situation. Trust the only source of salvation. And when that's true, you can join in the song the people sang in Exodus chapter 15. I don't know the tune but we do have the words. The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him. With unfailing love, He leads the people He has redeemed. He's leading you today, if your trust is in Jesus. We want to give you an opportunity to respond to God this morning. Teams of pastors and elders are prepared to anoint with oil and pray for anyone who desires it. And I'm going to ask them now to take their places at uh, the anointing stations around the room. And as they do that, let me explain a little bit more. Anointing with oil in the name of the Lord is one of the ministries that's talked about in the New Testament. Anointing is joined with prayer for healing and wholeness among God's people. And we anoint with oil as a symbol of the presence and power of God. And there are many different reasons why you might respond today. Let me name a few of them. If you aren't sure about your relationship with Jesus, come and ask how you can know that you have eternal life. If you're burdened with sin, guilt, shame, come and confess. And hear the promise of forgiveness through Jesus. If you're sick in body, mind, spirit, come for spiritual blessing, physical restoration, relational healing through the power of Christ. If you're weary, you're burdened over losses or trials, if you're tired, troubled by the known or the unknown, come and be refreshed by the one who is the burden bearer. If you want to worship God because of or in spite of what's going on in your life, come and give Him praise and allow us to rejoice with you. In a moment, I will invite you to come to one of the five stations. There are four in the front and one in the back if you want to receive that ministry. And you'll be asked if there's anything that you would like to confess that's hindering you from receiving God's blessing. And then you'll be anointed and prayed over in the name of the Lord. 
first let me read the scripture that speaking to God's people who are suffering or sick, James 5 says this. They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make them well. Anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And now, anyone who desires this ministry is invited to come and receive prayer for healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. If you guys are not praying down here, would you stand with me and we'll sing this together? And the splendor of a king And all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice Let's sing it out to him. And here I 
together how great our God sing with me how great is our God oh we'll see how great how great is our God how great is our God how great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God, and how great Sing. Sing with me how is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. Then sings my soul, my sing. sings my soul then sings my soul my soul how great how great then sings my stations for a few moments feel free to continue to come forward at, at the close of the service and receive now this benediction now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only god our savior through jesus christ our lord be glory majesty dominion and authority before all time now and forever 
Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Eyes are turning